Hey, Jordan, besides this podcast, I hear you have a pretty sweet gig playing video games for work. <laughs> um, I usually have to do more than just play them, sadly. No one is paying me to just sit there and play video <laughs> games. <laughs> Yeah, this is a common misconception and one I also deal with. It's one that's coming up even more now that there's another way to play video games for money, right? Twitch. How do you feel about Twitch? I've actually started streaming on Twitch recently. I've done it like four times. I've had, I've got like 30 followers. So, you know, twitch.tv slash Jerrica Weber. Check it out. Uh, like and subscribe for more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the dream of Twitch, right, is like with a decent internet connection and a big enough personality, you can build a following of people who just like watching you play games, right? Get enough followers, maybe advertisers will pay you. But like writing about games, there are some pretty big catches. So here's an example of that. What does this sound like to you, Jordan? Yeah, there's more guys. The guys I knocked earlier. Everyone to the safe. West, left, left. I mean, it sounds like a Twitch streamer, uh, a male, male Twitch streamer, <laughs> and there's gunshots. So I'm guessing he's playing like a multiplayer game. He's saying words I don't understand. These are not games I play, as you can probably tell. <laughs> <laughs> now, look at the video, specifically at the bottom left-hand corner where you can see the guy playing. Which, by the way, I think every post that I do from now on is going to say uwu in it, just to flex. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, this guy has, like, a funny hat on. Is that, like, a, is that like a military hat? Hold on, let me look closer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this hat is, but it looks like he could be in the army. And there's a big American flag behind him, but honestly, that could mean anything. I know that people in your country like to do that. Uh, there's also a huge plushy stuffed animal behind him. Some posters on the wall looking very like Call of Duty. Yeah, big gamer energy, big military energy. He's an active duty soldier in the U.S. Army, and his job is to stream on Twitch. Hmm, explain. Because he is working in recruitment. So the army has moved from the halls of high schools to a new hotspot where all the young people are, Twitch. And the army has come under fire for the ethics of this new strategy. At the center of this is an activist who got banned from an army Twitch streams chat for typing the phrase W4RCR1ME. W4RCR1ME. A war crime, except in leet speak. Exactly. Because the army's Twitch channel automatically censors the real phrase, so this was the way of the activists circumventing that censorship. And the army didn't take kindly to it. Oh, cool. Nice. Really chill guy. Have a nice time getting banned, my dude. So we talked to the guy who did this, and this little bit of trolling ended up going a long way all the way to the halls of Congress. We cannot conflate war and military service with this kind of gamified format. When we get back, we'll unravel the Army's relationship with video games from the 1980s to today. And we'll hear Jordan Yule tell his story. and welcome back to Wild Wild Tech. I'm Joshua Rivera. And I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Each week, we're bringing you fascinating stories where tech and culture collide. So Jordan, how familiar is this to you? Is military recruitment a normal part of growing up in the UK? I suspect not as much as in the US, but I've definitely seen it. When I was a kid, it was really common for them to come to high schools. Wow, I wish I was surprised. Um, 
I guess the closest comparison that I have is I do remember there was this posh school down the road from me that had compulsory cadet training, but that seemed kind of weird. So did they come after you then? They're very good at their jobs, but not good enough to get me to sign up. Although I guess, I mean, this feels different, right? Like coming to Twitch, that feels different. That feels more targeted. Yeah, it's much more intense. And our activist we mentioned earlier is going to get into that when we talk to him. But while the Twitch part is new, the army actually has a long history of working with video games, going back to the 80s. A 2014 Guardian article by Simon Parkin gives a nice summary of their relationship, which has always been very close. I know that guy. He is very good and very handsome. <laughs> yeah, I adore Simon Parkin's work. His book, Death by Video Game, is one of my favorite books on games. And he writes like a handsome man would, so I, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> so the way Simon breaks it down is, in the 1980s, DARPA, which is the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, approached game developers with the idea of using video games to train soldiers. Then Doom 2, a very popular shooting video game at the time, in the early 90s, was modified to train new recruits. This was all happening as video games were just, you know, absolutely blowing up as a medium. So since the beginning of games as a commercial enterprise, the army has been there. Yeah, I can believe that. I've read a lot of Simon's work about this, actually, and the relationship between the military and arms manufacturers and video games. I can totally see that. Yeah. And then another thing happened in 2002, the release of a game called America's Army. I think America's Army was the biggest turning point. This is Jordan Ewell, who is a central character in the current evolving army Twitch story. Have we finally broken the trend of having lots of Joshuas by bringing in another Jordan? Yep. Now you get to be confused about who we're talking <laughs> about all the time. My name is Jordan Yule, and I'm a progressive activist. We'll hear from him throughout. And let's just say him and the army are not best friends. Not, not a fan of the army. Hmm. You've always had military propaganda and movies and TV shows. And, you know, there were there were military games before that. And I'm sure they had some sort of involvement. But like America's Army just turned the page on all of that and started a new chapter because the war on terror had just started. They actually produced this game and they produced it explicitly as a recruiting tool. America's Army was the brainchild of Colonel Casey Wardinsky. At the time, he was the Army's chief economist and a professor at West Point. The game was explicitly designed as a recruitment tool. They wanted it to be as realistic and immersive as a simulation could be of what it was like to be in the armed forces. They sensationalized it and hyped it up as like, you can play the real battles that our brave troops are fighting overseas. So they explicitly wanted you to adopt the mindset of someone in Afghanistan. How did they achieve that then? What did they put in the game to make it quote unquote realistic? It's all in the details, Jordan. In America's Army, you go through like these really mundane training missions and it's kind of like boot camp, right? But in this very dry representation, combat situations are a little more lethal than they would be in a lot of video games. There's that element of realism. You have to learn like triage or you get like one shot in the wrong place. It's over for you. Uh, things like that. And I can kind of see the Army's motivation for doing this. Military shooter games are this big blockbuster representation of the armed forces. but you can bring it down to earth a bit and it still feels good. Yeah, I mean, I guess they want to represent it in a way that's still like exciting and don't you want to do this, but also realistic because otherwise they're going to get people showing up with 
completely the wrong expectations, which is just counterproductive for everyone. So yeah, I kind of see what they're trying to do there. Right, right. And we can only speculate here because we did reach out to the army and we heard back. But when we responded to set up a time, they went silent. So we didn't get to talk to the army. That's so weird. I would have thought that the US army was more organized than that. I mean, organized, yes. Eager to talk to podcasters, maybe not. But Jordan Yule was more than happy to talk to podcasters like us and answer all of our questions. So here's his take on the realism of America's army. You could play the missions, like similar missions that have been conducted in Afghanistan or later Iraq by the United States military. So they were they were taking things that the United States military actually had done recently and putting them in a video game. So that's, it seems really on the nose and hypes up this gamification of warfare. It's weird, isn't it, how that feels so much more uncomfortable than trying to realistically replicate like World War II battles. Yeah, let's look at some footage for ourselves. Wow, this does look kind of old. Yeah, this is 2002. It also doesn't seem fun, which probably reflects more like what it's actually like to be in the army. And that's sort of like the, the kind of the draw, right? Like it, it does away with the Hollywood, you know, aspect of, of first person shooters and just focuses on the mechanics of it, right? The mechanics, but perhaps not the emotional fallout. Right. Or the effects on the world and people's families and mental health. And this is what makes it effective, I think. It's just all the cool shit, like... You're being lectured right now in a firing range by a commanding officer and like the animation of a round being loaded into the chamber from the magazine is very realistic, especially for the time. Like you can actually see the individual like cartridges. Yeah, I can I can see what they're going for with trying to make it look very realistic and not too bombastic. So Jordan Ewell argues, and I think I'd agree that this realism is deceptive. It gives players a false sense of being prepared for war. And like, is this really any better than a Call of Duty where it's, it's, it's all fantasy, right? Where like you're an unstoppable killing machine. I don't really think so. But Call of Duty is also a game franchise that has a relationship with the US Army. Over the years, the military has had deep relationships with game studios and have been championed for their willingness to help consult on these games to help increase the realism. Yeah, this definitely feels like a more true-to-life representation of what it's actually like to be in the army. So yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, their goal is to recruit new people. But the danger is you're going to have some people who can't blur the lines. And I'm not saying they're going to convince themselves they're going to respond. But I think the danger is it inflates their their sense of ability and self-worth in these situations. Especially because in the real world, if you die, you don't come back. That's entirely unrealistic. So when you have people who are being recruited for their performance in these games, which they do and the military has admitted they do, they're going to think that, oh, I'm going to be a great soldier because I'm great at this game. The danger is when you are overlapping games in the military, especially right now as we're transitioning war toward more autonomous vehicles or unmanned aerial drones, you completely separate the human from the killing. And that's really dangerous and is going to result in way more innocent deaths. Because why would they ever care then? They're not going to see the impact of their mistake. They're not going to see, as I talk to soldiers who are suffering from PTSD, who now do anti-recruiting, they're not going to see the women and children running and crying because the United States military is destroying their village. They're going to be sitting in some air-conditioned warehouse in the Midwest with Xbox controllers just treating it like a game. That's the danger. 
I've got to say, when I found out that they use game controllers for piloting drones because people are more familiar with them, that made me feel incredibly weird. Yeah, it's just like video games, and that is upsetting. So you fast forward to today, and the platform on which Jordan Ewell encountered the army was Twitch, another thing that was just for video games or, or entertainment. How does that make you feel knowing that they were on Twitch? Um, not good. Twitch is a happy place for me. Yeah, uh, you're not the only Jordan who thinks Twitch should be a happy place. Twitch is fun. Twitch is a really fun site. So the stage is set. Twitch is a fun, budding new platform, exploding in popularity. And the army has found its way in. Jordan Ewell wants to stop this and takes matters into his own hands. We'll hear his story when we get back. Before we get into Jordan Yule, we need to set the scene. The streaming platform, Twitch. Twitch is a happy place for him, a place of community. You're familiar with Twitch, Jordan. How would you break it down for people? Yeah, so I started streaming on Twitch this year and I've really enjoyed it. So basically you just, I mean, you just play video games and stream it and maybe put a webcam in the corner so people can see you. I've been doing it for like my my family members and, you know, other people. And the great thing about it is that they can chat with you in like a little window down the side, which I think is my favorite part. Yeah. Jordan Newell, our progressive activist, really digs this about the platform. He's not just on it to pick fights with the U.S. Army. It's just like you and I are talking right now. It's just like you're having a face-to-face conversation, but the receiving end is, you know, a few hundred or in some cases a few or several thousand people. That's just different. It's like you're putting on a concert every single night for the same people. And they're just like, they're showing up because they love you. And that creates like a totally different dynamic, even than like a band would have. It's like, think of the most rabid fans of a band that would like kind of tour with the band or go up to multiple shows in a region. Think about that person coming to whatever you do every single night for months or years. That's the kind of dynamic you find on Twitch. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, actually. The idea of putting on this concert every night for your biggest fans, like... The way that Twitch works, it kind of creates this like parasocial relationship. Like people think they really know you because it's so intimate. Which is why he gets so upset when he stumbles upon the army's Twitch channel. As far as he's concerned, the army is abusing that intimacy in a way that he thinks will especially exploit the vulnerability of young people online, especially if they're disenfranchised. The military preys on instability. That instability factor is ripe for exploitation by the military. But regardless of your feelings about the army style of recruiting, they also did some things that seemed to go against Twitch's terms of use and U.S. sweepstakes regulations. Here's an example. Users would see something about a contest in chat, one where they could sign up to win a very expensive $180 controller. But when they clicked on it, it takes you to a recruiting form. They don't mention the contest ever again. They don't mention the odds of winning, when there's a drawing, how many winners there would be, or a deadline to enter. It is just a recruiting form. And the form at that point says, uh, sign up to learn more. If you are a 13-year-old kid and you want that controller, you're probably not going to realize that that is a recruiting form. You're 15, 16, 17, you might be more aware of it, but you're like more likely to just fill it out because you think there's going to be a controller on the other end or the chance of winning a controller. And this is like kind of nerdy, but that is like a, that's a pretty big prize if you are a kid and into games, because that's like the, that's the controller with extra buttons that like competitive controller or like really skilled controller players use. 
And like I said, with this economic instability right now, your parents are not going to be willing to buy you a $200 Xbox controller right now. So this is another way that they kind of feed off of that dynamic. And that's really insidious. So the U.S. military is basically getting into phishing scam? (laughs) I mean, kind of, yeah. So there's a couple of things you could find objectionable about this whole endeavor, right? This is what spurred Jordan to action, to go to the front lines himself and take on the U.S. Army. Here's how he describes the moment. I was on Twitch and there was this guy, a green beret, sitting in front of a giant American flag and a stuffed animal. I think it had, like it was an anime stuffed animal behind him. And he was talking about how the Army Twitter account, the Army Esports team Twitter account had tweeted uwu. Oh, I remember this. Like the the UWU kind of cute face. Mm-hmm. I remember this going around Twitter and people I know, because obviously I know a lot of people who cover video games, uh, making fun of them. And talking about war crimes. This is the weird thing about all this, right? Where they are not only just going to Twitch and streaming the games that that kids are streaming, that everyone is streaming. They're talking like they talk. They're adopting this internet slang, but it's coming from a dude in a green beret and fatigues. It's so strange. So at this point in the stream, the streamer for the army was complaining about this. And uh, Jordan was there watching. And this is what happened. And they were getting dunked on on Twitter for tweeting uwu, and he's like, I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than you, you little monsters. Little internet keyboard monsters, that's what you want. Little gremlins. You little gremlins, I swear. And was mad at people dunking on that tweet, and that's when I said, what's your favorite war crime? They auto-mod the term war crime, so I had to do an alphanumeric iteration of it. So I spelled it W4RCR1ME. And he was he was paying attention to the game, and about 45 seconds later, he noticed it and was like, oh, nice, and got mad and banned me. And here's what that sounded like in real time, as the recruiter was playing a game of Warzone and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Which, by the way, I think every post that I do from now on is going to say uwu in it, just to flex. He's very aggro about this, right? I've got to say, the fact that he is talking about how angry he is about what someone said on the internet, while at the same time shooting fictional people is very concerning to me. Yeah. And here's Jordan in the chat asking what his favorite war crime is. His favorite U.S. war crime. He's getting called out right here. Jared Fassel, what's up, man? Oh, cool. Nice. Really chill guy. Have a nice time getting banned, my dude. This interaction took maybe a minute or two. It seems pretty inconsequential. Another internet dust-up. There are thousands of those every day. But it turned out to be quite the opposite. An event that blew up and continues to blow up. Jordan's confrontation went viral after esports journalists like Rod Slasher Breslau took note and shared clips of the encounter on social media. Mainstream outlets like Vice and the New York Times took note, and Jordan Ewell wrote about his experience for The Nation. Were you surprised by the amount of traction other Jordan's story got? I guess I was kind of surprised by the reaction because this kind of thing has been around for a while. Like, there have definitely been military recruiters, for example, at video game events that I've been to, and... There haven't been stories about that in, you know, national newspapers. Yeah, and that's what's so unusual about this. It spurred immediate action. Jordan got an interesting call. A foreign policy group came to me and said, hey, we think we should pursue this. That's an advocacy group in Washington dedicated to expanded diplomacy and considering the lives of those abroad and the laws that shape our foreign policy decisions. And so I gave them a rundown because their like executive director had done anti-recruiting in the past and understood how insidious this was. So Just Foreign Policy is the name of the group. And I worked with them to develop kind of a pitch 
in a rundown of the issue. And the advocacy group took it a step further to Capitol Hill. They took it to AOC's office. AOC, as in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman representing the 14th District of New York, where I live, a real one. I'm not in that district, but I am in New York. What up? (laughs) Yes, uh, this is a U.S. politician I have actually heard of. And immediately, Dan Riffle, who I think is her policy director, had an amendment written and introduced by the end of the day. And here's a video of her speaking on the issue courtesy of the Young Turks YouTube channel. Right now, currently, children on platforms such as Twitch are bombarded with banner ads that link to recruitment sign-up forms that can be submitted by children as young as 12 years old. Ah, she's so good. Yeah, and, like, she's paying attention, which is, shouldn't be so wild, right? It's just, I mean, she's so good at explaining things as well, which is really important. And also understanding things that a lot of other politicians don't. Like she's just there. You can tell that she's actually looked into this and she knows what she's talking about and she's explaining it so clearly. Yeah. And like when you explain these things as plainly as she does right now, it starts to sound like a more troublesome thing. And what's Twitch's involvement in this bean? That is a good question. Here's where I'll note that we reached out to press contacts for the army and Twitch and did not get a response. Jordan Yule, however, has some ideas about how Twitch should have handled this fiasco. I think Twitch should be way more aggressive with how it polices recruiters like this on its platform. In an ideal world, I would love to see them just completely kicked off. But I know that the military has a partnership and an advertising deal with Twitch that, uh, you know, as a result, Twitch promotes them onto the front page. Twitch responded immediately after, the, like the day after the Nation article and told the army they have to end those contests. So that was one small step. But when they're taking hundreds of thousands or rumored to be millions of dollars to promote these military streams to your front page, if they are going to continue to do that, they must implement safeguards to prevent kids under 16 from going into that room. Because while they might not be able to be recruited or enlist now at 14, it's extremely dangerous to have them developing that kind of parasocial relationship with a recruiter 14, 15, 16, 17 to when they can enlist. That's really dangerous. So, in the time since we spoke to Jordan Ewell, the bill has failed to reach committee. But I think it definitely made a statement. The U.S. Army has paused its Twitch streaming, and it's also unbanned Jordan Ewell. So, maybe this is the end of this kind of recruitment. I hope so. I mean, it's pretty troubling at least to me. Yeah, me too. I mean, I guess less so if this activism has actually encouraged them to think about what they're doing and put an end to it. But when I think about it, now that we've talked about it, I guess I'm just not really surprised that they were doing that. Like, it's kind of unfortunately expected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we tend to assume the worst in, in, in tech sometimes. <laughs> and there is a world where they can just go back to recruiting on Twitch, right? Like, it's shaking in real time. They may resume their streaming activity at any moment. But Jordan Yule describes himself as an activist. And this seems like a very effective implementation of that activism, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that he, like, went and got shit done, you know? Uh, like... <laughs> You know, it's easy to like tweet, to quote tweet the army tweet and make fun of them. But he he went and did something like he confronted it and then he followed through and got involved with like the proper processes, you know, 
the political wheel turned and, you know, something happened. And it didn't strike me as, as hard, you know, like it, he just sort of spoke up and then stayed involved. Like you said, the follow through was there. In America, talking about the military as anything other than necessary and noble can get you in a lot of hot water. Respect for the troops is almost a meme, right? It is a meme, you know, just respect the troops. It's that episode of BoJack Horseman. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's something you're supposed to do without question, which is lousy because in democracies, the people should have a say in how their country is run and how the armed forces, which is made up of regular Americans, are deployed. I feel like maybe our parallel is the royal family. Mm. Like, um, <laughs> if anyone over here says that they think there shouldn't be a royal family, like that's kind of, there are some, there are some towns in this country where you just can't say that. <laughs> that's wild. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, your country seems weird to me. My country seems weird to you. <laughs> you know, this is the world we live in. And I think this is what makes this particular story so worth considering. There aren't yet laws for things like this. AOC's bill is unusual because rapid response to tech-related social issues, like we discussed, just doesn't really happen. Technology surprises people, the people who made it and the people who use it. And things don't always shake out the way anyone intends. This is why tech and culture is such a good topic for a podcast. Right, yeah, someone should, someone should do that, I think. <laughs> do you know what I like about this story, Joshua? What's up? It's the gamers, you know, capital G gamers, uh, get a bad rap, often for very good reason. But here is someone who loves video games and cares about what they are being used for, acting on that and doing something about it in a way that is good. Did, uh, did you, are you saying gamers rise up? Huh? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hashtag, hashtag gamers rise up. Oh my gosh. Next time on Wild Wild Tech, Jordan tells us all about TikTok and lesbian dating. I am so excited. Wild Wild Tech is a Studio 71 original podcast and a spoke media production. It's hosted by me, Josh Rivera, and Jordan Erica Weber. You can find us at jmrivera02 on Twitter and jordanweber.com. Our producers are Cody Hoffmockel and Janielle Kastner, with help from Reyes Mendoza, Trey Jones, and Caroline Hamilton. This episode was mixed by Will Short. Our executive producers are Stephen Perlstein and Andrew Seeley for Studio 71, and Aliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds for Spoke Media. Special thanks to Jordan Yule for letting us into his world of Twitch activism. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at Wild Wild Tech Pod. Thanks for listening. Uh, Parkin's article summons... <laughs> He's just so cute, you know? <laughs> and then he gets me all flustered. Yeah. <laughs>